Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. Welcome to another episode of We're Talking Today. Craig Melanson with JT Crabtree, another voice of the Jags. I never know how to introduce you. I had JD on yesterday, and I know you're kind of, I know you do basketball, full-time basketball and baseball, and then uh, the home games on radio. JD has ESPN Plus, but um, introduce yourself. T- talk to me here. I mean, I guess you're both voices of, of the Jags. I guess I'm not <laughs> just used to that. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we kind of share those duties a little bit, but I do, like you said, I do all the men's basketball, all the baseball, home and road, and then when we're at home, I do play-by-play for football, and when we're on the road, I do the pregame show, the halftime show, and I engineer the broadcast as well. So we kind of split duties a little bit for football, but I'm on the radio side for for everything else. Well, very good. Uh, Colin Lacey told me to, told J- to tell JD that he was a, a, a sellout for going to TV. And then uh, <laughs> he got a li- little laugh about that. And he said, uh, he told Colin not to, not to talk too much. So it was, it was a fun day. <laughs> well, yeah, we, uh, that TV side, that's the, that's the cushy side, right? You get, you get no pregame show, no postgame show, just and, hop on and leave. It's nice. And, and it looks like you basically, and I know he does his homework, but basically you show up the game, you don't have to set up any equipment and then yep. you leave and you don't have to break anything down. So it's like glamorous life. Yeah, but it is. Have you done any TV before? Yeah, I've done a little bit. I actually did one. uh, I did a volleyball match last Friday. Um, I've done a little bit of a little bit of softball. I I did softball radio for five years Um, and I've done a little bit of basketball mixed in there on ESPN as well. So I've, I've done a little bit here and there. So how difficult it is to switch from that radio format to the tv format because it, it is different as an announcer yeah yeah it's 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 very different it's funny because i didn't realize one of the things that i struggled with every time on tv and i didn't realize i would do this is for radio we have an out cue for every break for us it's this is south alabama football from jaguar sports properties we don't have an out cue on ESPN. It's whatever the heck you want to go to break with. And you don't go to break whenever you want, like in radio where you can yep. take your time wrapping up a whatever and toss it for TV. You've got someone counting down your ear. You've got to get out of there when they tell you to get out of there. And so it's a little bit of a, a scramble to, to get everything. Um, it took a long time for me to figure out, you know, I don't, they can see this. It's not radio. I don't have to sit here and describe everything that's going on. So I kind of have to step back a little bit in my, my play-by-play. Um, that took a little bit of adjusting. And also the, the whole, you know, we've got to be neutral because it's ESPN. I, I'm 100%, I'll admit, I am a huge, huge homer. As you should and be. So, <laughs> right, I'm paid by the university. This is my school. And it's very strange pulling myself back and you know my broadcast style i'm energetic and i'm hyped up all the time and so pulling myself away from that on espn i almost feel like i'm boring um so that's that's a very strange adjustment too well i find it 
I find it that a lot of people, when they switch from that radio to the TV role, like you said, they tend to describe too much and don't let the TV do the talking for them, where it's, to me, it's kind of more the in-between play stuff that, that the, the, the play-by-play can give that, that talks about the little nuances that you may or may not have seen. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, just the little stuff here and there and the, the backstories too. And exactly. Just, yeah. You, stuff like that. Yeah. That you really don't have time to do on uh, and well, in baseball, you will, but a football broadcast, let's say even there, there's a little yeah. more action, but basketball, I don't know how you guys do basketball. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I personally, you know, I, I'm a baseball guy through and through, but I love calling basketball because it's nonstop. It's easy for me. I can really go into cruise control because the game doesn't stop. I don't have to sit there and fill 30 seconds between a pitch here or there, or, and sometimes 40 seconds between a football play. It's just go, go, go on basketball, which as a a broadcaster and from a prep standpoint, it's actually really easy to do. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, you talked about your uh, being energetic and, that that's a great segue into our next little topic here is, is the baseball regional that, that you guys were in, uh, the Tallahassee or Gainesville. I'm now I'm forgetting Gainesville. I thought I, I knew you played the university of Florida, but I'm going like, it wasn't Tallahassee. Cause it was, uh, it was y'all South Florida and Miami, if I'm correct. Yep. Yep. Um, t- talk to me a little bit about that because you and I tried to hook up a little bit in between games. There were some rain delays and everything else. I knew you were busy, and I thought if I could get you on, great. If you couldn't, no big deal. But you sounded like you were ha- – now, obviously, the, 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 the final game didn't turn out the way you wanted to. But uh, it, to me, it was an awesome, awesome series, awesome. And I love the way you guys smacked down Miami and some of their attitude, like they were better <laughs> than thou. So just, you know, kind of talk about that with me for a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, man, that was that was probably the most fun I've had in the broadcast booth. Um, it was my first year on baseball. And like I said, I'm a baseball guy. I, I played baseball growing up. Baseball runs deep in my family. Um, I've got several relatives that have played pro. And so baseball's in my blood. And so getting the opportunity to move from softball that I'd done for five years over to baseball was a dream come true. And then doing baseball was fun. The Sunbelt tournament run was fun. And then we make it to that regional and, you know, we're sitting there in the clubhouse watching the selection show after winning the Sunbelt tournament. And we're saying, all right, we're probably going to go somewhere in Mississippi. We might go to Ruston. And then we see the Crimson Tide pop up in Ruston. So, well, we're not going there. Okay. And then the Starkville regional rolls through where Southern Miss is going there. So, all right, well, we're not going there where the heck are we going? And it pops up Gainesville and we say, okay, that's not bad. We hadn't even thought about that. And then it pops up Miami. Oh boy, here we go. Cause Miami has always been this program's nemesis from the seventies and eighties. Anytime that we wanted to do something big, it had to go through two programs, Miami or Florida state. And so Miami was the next one up for us. And of course it's our first matchup. Uh, we lose it and we're on the losers half now. We've got to take on the host team, Florida, who had just lost to South Florida. So we're thinking, okay, they're going to come out here guns blazing. They're the host team. They're not going to go two and Q. They're going to, we're going to get everything they've got. And 
we get off to a, a pretty good start. I, I'll never forget, you know, Florida, I, I guess they thought they could do whatever they wanted. And you know, first inning, they get a runner at third with one out. It's a pop-up barely behind short, and they decide to run on Ethan Wilson. We throw him out of the plate to go That's to the uh, – <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. We throw him out of the plate, and we put up a two spot in the first frame, and we're off and rolling. And then, and of course, you know, we have the, the huge sixth inning where we had 10 consecutive two-out hits to score 10 two-out runs. I've never seen anything like that before. Um, Honestly, I'm 57 years old. I've seen a lot of baseball. I'm a baseball first guy, and I've never seen anything like that. And that, to me, was just like dagger, dagger, dagger. And it's just like, shut up and sit down now. <laughs> it really was. And it, it, like I said, I've never seen anything like that. And so winning 19-1 over Florida was was great. Eliminating the host team was like, okay, like we, we, we might could do this. But winning that game, we had to go back against Miami. So we get our payback uh, opportunity. We match up with Miami again. And after losing one nothing, we're kind of like, okay, you know what? Like we can hang with these guys. Well, let's go let's back. Go for, let's go back to that first yeah. game for a second because I uh, I didn't get that was one of the games I didn't get to see a one nothing game. Uh, did you guys have your opportunities there to score and everything? Could that been of a game that you guys could have could have grabbed also? Yeah, it really was. We had some chances, but I mean they had a stud freshman pitcher. I think his name was Rosario. That's right. Dude was throwing ninety six ninety seven with sink, and that thing that humidity down in Gainesville was running and. I asked the guys afterward because you know we could see it from up in the press box the things moving, but it's a lot different down the batter's box. And oh. I asked the guys, said, "How much was that thing really moving?" Said, You'd look at it and be at your hands before you could blink. There was nothing they could do. They'd never seen stuff like that before. And uh, De-, De La Torre, our first baseman, he described it as like it was like a video game. It was like a created player on a video game was throwing sink at us with ninety seven. It was exact circle, incredible. circle, uh, triangle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They were hitting all the cheat codes and they're, they're getting everything going. So it was, it was an incredible performance by Rosario and you turn around and have to play him again. And their pitcher, not as great as Rosario, uh, more, more of a flat pitcher, fastball and slider. And we come out there and we pop them. Uh, We strike first. Uh, Sorrenti got a two out Homer and we get a little bit of a lead, and then the chippiness starts with Alex Terrell. He hits his homer and has some words to say to our dugout as he comes home and scores, and their dugout comes out and is chirping at us. And it's we're still up by, by two at this point. Yep. And they're they're chirping. It gets uh it gets honestly it gets fun. It's you know it's it is bona fide postseason baseball now. I, that's and, when I had the uh, I was listening to you. But I also had the TV on watching it. Then I had the TV volume up, and I'm going back to back and forth to hear what's going on. It what I, I love that part of it, and I'm I guess I love the outcome at the end. So I'll let you. Sorry, I'll let you finish. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, Terrell has his words to say, and ESPN was was great. Their production down in Gainesville was terrific. They actually they gave me a feed of all their microphones around the ballpark, which was every everywhere they had a microphone in every bullpen they had one down inside each dugout they had two behind home plate the ones in the dugout and the ones behind home plate almost got us in trouble a little bit because of that game 
it was getting chippy and Terrell was saying some words that we can't say on, on air yep. to our dugout and our crowd, Mike is picking him up. So we, we know what he said. It wasn't nice. And so Carson Palmquist, their all American closer comes in and it's a, it's a two run game strikes out a couple of dudes against us and walks off the mound and holds the hands out saying, you know, how you like me now. Yeah. And that's when it really started to kick off was okay. You know, let's go get this dude. And so they get bases loaded, one out in a two-run game. We bring in our closer, Sam and Diego. He strikes out the next two with 97-mile-an-hour fastballs. Next inning, Palmquist is still out there, and we hit two bombs off him. We, Michael Sandel hits one. He had actually – he had just missed one in the yep. first game on Friday. He had just missed a homer. He, he got his second home run of the game, that one against Palmquist, flipped the bat as he let it go, which he never does, and then turn around two batters later, and Caleb De La Torre hits an absolute bomb completely out of the ballpark. That was a no against him as well. It was unbelievable, and he comes around home, and he stomps on the plate and stares down the dugout, and you're thinking, yeah, we've, we've got these guys now, and they pull Palmquist. And actually, our SID, Charlie Nichols, he had gone down to the tunnel – because it was in the eighth inning. He was getting ready to grab coach for post one game or one way or the other, whichever the game went. He's down in the tunnel next to Miami's dugout. And when Palmquist gets pulled, he says that guy immediately went to the, the dugout bathroom at the end of the tunnel and is just destroying the place, just throwing his glove, screaming. He's ticked. So we've got him at that point. We, we take it, uh, was it 7-2, I think was the final. And so, you know, we've knocked off the big boys now. So we've got to go through South Florida and you know, the rain ha happens. We get up for nothing. We get suspended. We've got to come back the next day and play a game and a half. And we held on for that first game against South Florida. We forced the winner take all. And we just, we ran out of gas. We ran out of magic. Uh, we started to take, we took the lead early, but we just, we didn't have that timely hitting we'd had in those previous games and then really for the first time in probably a week or two a team punched us they, the team punched us back with south florida they took the lead it was actually ironically it was a mobile kid who got the the game winning hits against us he got a bases loaded double he got another double later on in the eighth we'd made it a one-run game in the eighth inning and they put two more up and that was that was the dagger and it was just, you could feel, you, you can feel it when you don't have it anymore. And yep. when he hit that double on the eighth, it was, oh, okay, that's, that's probably it. So like you said before, it didn't end the way we wanted. It was the, I believe the seventh or eighth time in program history. We've been one game away yep. from winning a regional and just haven't been able to do it, but a heck of a season, you know, a, a great group of guys will, uh, We'll miss Ethan Wilson and Michael Sandel and Tyler Salmon Diego, but we still got a lot you. coming back. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to hear those names anymore. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we got a lot coming back. They actually just started fall ball this week, so uh, we'll see how they, we'll see how they turn it out coming up in the spring. The kid, the kid from Mobile, uh, was he was he recruited by y'all? Or I'm assuming he's, you know, or was it one of those things that he probably didn't want to stay that that close to home i guess so he actually went to the same high school i did and he was recruited and committed to auburn out of high school went to auburn played a year there did okay 
um, then went Juco. He went to um, Wallace Dothan and then ended up in South Florida. And we just didn't have a spot for him because of our outfield being you know, Wilson, right. Sandal, and Caleb Balgard. So we just didn't have a spot for him. He ends up in South Florida and you know, almost you know, baseball is poetic. The Mobile guy eliminates the hometown team. How, how would, do you, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm sure you do, but in the minor leagues, Swaggerty, how is he doing in, in the minor leagues? He's doing okay. He didn't play a whole lot this year. He got off to a hot start, and then like the second week of the season, he separated his shoulder diving for a ball. So he's been out for most of the year. Um, he actually just had a kid. He's a dad now. Oh. Um, but he's uh, he should be healthy uh, coming up in the spring, but he didn't get a chance to play a whole lot this year. Yeah, that, that he's from Hammond, and that's one of the ones that got away out of the state of Louisiana, and I think because, uh, quite honestly, I don't think we recruit, we recruited him. So, yeah. uh, but we had some fun with him when we were out in the uh, outfield uh, decks out there in Mobile, uh, yeah. the party decks. We were out there, and he was in uh, right field and had a couple conversations, all, all in good fun, and he took everything great, and, uh, you know, we, we said something about a ball that might have gotten through the gap or something like that, you know, and then he came up and I think hit a bomb the next next time up. So it was like, well, I, how do you not? And it wasn't one of those kind of like, <laughs> how do you like me now? He goes, well, is that better type of deal? It, it was fun jarring, you know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Swag's a great guy. I, I didn't get a chance to to operate with him, you know, personally a lot because I was on the softball circuit, right. but I, I was around the baseball program and talked to them a good bit, did some interviews with them. Great dude. And I hate that he got hurt because he was playing really well. His first hit of the season was a, a homer in triple A. So hopefully he can get back healthy and continue doing his good stuff. And I'm trying to uh, actually. All right. So we have y'all at home uh, March 25th, 26th and 27th at Russo Park. So, yep. I, I have not been to Russo Park. I have seen it from the outside, but I have not been in since it's been renovated. And I'm very much looking forward to making that trip over. Well, save some time. Come over by the house. We're going to barbecue after one of the games, or hit the hit the uh, post game there at, the, at at outside of Russo. But either way, we'll having a couple of adult beverages on one of those days or, or evenings before uh, before you head back to Mobile. So sounds like a plan. Well, let's go ahead and take our first break. Break. Uh, I had planned on this. This was exciting. I like I said I love talking baseball, and I could do it all day long. So uh, you're listening to we're talking with Craig Malonso and JD Crabtree of the uh, voice of the South Alabama Jags. We'll be right back after this message. You're back to listening. We're talking with Craig Malonson, uh, JT Crabtree, and I got to remember to say JT and not JD. And <laughs> it's, uh, I, I did not slip up yesterday and I, ho I hope I don't today. So if I do, I apologize now. Um, JT is the voice of the South Alabama Jaguars. Uh, let's, let's, do a quick little rundown. I've asked all my guests to do this because their thoughts, because everybody sees things different. I was talking to Colin Lacey about our game uh, last week at Georgia Southern, and we both talked about how it looked like the Cajuns had dominated, but then you look at the drive sheet, and there were about nine drives. We were basically three and out, four and out, or five, and you know, one of those things that you're going like, well, how did that happen? You, you know, it looked, I'm, I don't think the game was ever in doubt for us, but it was one of those things I'm going like, you look at the box score and you're going like, well, wait a second. They did this better than us. They did this better than us. How do we win the game? So, <laughs> yeah, yep. Everybody sees it different. And that's, that's a great part about sports. So Marshall app state, I don't know how much you got to see about that game, but it was a great, uh, it was a great game for a, any football fan. I thought. 
yeah, I actually I watched almost all of it, I think. And that was a heck of a ball game. It, you know, App State gets out to a good start. Then Marshall literally you know, the thundering herd thunders right on back. They uh I thought Marshall honestly was gonna take it. And then that fourth quarter run by App State. Now they got a little bit of help on that one touchdown because that was not a touchdown for for Sutton in the in the corner. I didn't think it was, okay. but they reviewed it and confirmed it. Well, he, he, here's the thing that everybody, and, and I did too. I went back and looked at it one more time. And maybe I, everybody looks at the right foot that was going out of bounds that hit, uh, it, he didn't tap the toe first, but it looked like the foot landed, but it was his left foot that I think he got down and bounced first and drug it a little bit. Okay. It, because I okay. was the same way with you. I was going like, this can't be, this can't be. And I, I ended up rewinding like three or four times. And, and then I heard the announcer talk about the left foot being down. I'm going like, okay, this makes a little more sense now. So, okay. Okay. But, I'll go back. I'll go back and look at it. I didn't, I hadn't looked at the left foot, but that right foot was definitely in the yellow turf and not the black yeah, end zone turf. Cause it was like, he stepped down the, the, the toes were out of bounds and he stepped down and his heel came in bounds. But by that point, he's already out of bounds. So I agree right. with you. Did you happen to see the video after the uh, game of their of their students? I did not. No. Well, they were not exactly too kind to the Marshall players. Let's put it that way. And a couple of the reporters took video of their students yelling at them, which is unfortunate because it was a good ball game. And I, I'll, you know, I've been to App several times uh, and been treated nothing but nice up there. So yeah. and I know that's not typical of their fans. So unfortunately I thought it marred a little bit of a, of a good football game. So, yeah, that's, that's thanks. And Boone is always one of my favorite places to travel to beautiful part of the country. And like you said, I've met great folks up there. The, the old basketball voice, Harrison battles, a good buddy of mine. And so I always enjoy going up there to, to Boone. So, uh, yeah, hate to hear that. I enjoy September, October, maybe November up there and April and May. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. We, uh, we go up there in November and it's the first time I think past the month of September that we've been up there. So it's definitely the latest we've been up there and I, I don't like cold, so I'm not looking forward to what the weather's going to be doing up there. I, I, I'm not a fan of the cold either. And, <laughs> uh, there's a reason I live back down South after 13 years in Indianapolis, so oh yeah uh you know they they snookered me into that i i, I took a job up there i was in november it, it was in november and uh, over thanksgiving it was like 79 degrees for the high in november and i'm going like well this is great okay. well i took yeah. i took the job and then i go back to austin to, to move my stuff up to indianapolis and by the time i get back up there they've had this ice storm that comes through and that crippled the city I mean, and I'm going like, and it's like 18 degrees. And I'm going like, what the heck did I just do? <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> and then I think it was either, I think it was June 1st. I woke up and it was like 34 degrees on June 4th, 1st. And I'm oh. like, I'm like, stop. Summers up there are beautiful. Lots of great golf courses. So, okay. Uh, let's, let's keep moving. I we could. <laughs> Troy ULM how, how I mean I mean you guys are close proximity yeah. wise to Troy um I you were off last week so did you get to see any of that game surprise yeah 
I, I watched uh, the whole second half. I was very surprised. I was checking in on the first half, and I'm like, okay, it's a close ball game. You know, ULM's playing a little bit better, it looks like. And then watched the whole second half, and they really dominated the second half. I was – I can't tell yet. I, I'm curious this week when uh, – I don't know how much we'll tell from ULM and Coastal, but – or even Troy at South Carolina either, but I'm curious how much of it is ULM is better or how much of it is Troy is not as good as we thought they were going to be because I, I, I'm i shocked at how poorly the offense has played for Troy so far with their new quarterback transferring from Missouri. He's supposed to be the real deal. Reggie Todd at wideout, who's a, a mobile guy that we recruited and we couldn't get him to, to come back home. He's he's legit, and they've got a, a great stable of running backs at Troy as well. And it's really on the offensive side, I haven't been able to put it together. So I'm really curious how more how much improved ULM is going the rest of the way in the conference slate. We got we go to their place. We've never won there, so I, I'm curious. Oh, really? Yeah, there in Texas State, we have never won, and we've never beat Georgia Southern. Period in our program's history. So I'm, I'm curious how that ULM game is going to play out in a couple of weeks. Well, uh, Texas state has never beaten us. And there was a while there, the, I think the first six games of our series that it was always the home team that won. Um, yep. yep. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what to think of Troy either. And I, if they play what we think Troy is going to be, I think they have an opportunity to beat uh, South Carolina. So, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, prayers still go out to uh, uh, Rhett Rodrigue. Uh, I hear he's home from the hospital, so hopefully he he recovers. You never want to see a football player or any, anybody that hurt hurt like that any at any time. So uh, even if there are your opposing team, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, not much to say about UMass and Coastal. UMass is horrible, and Coastal is pretty doggone good. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for that UMass UConn game coming up in a couple of weeks. Ooh, it's gonna Lord, that, that's gonna be a barn burner. <laughs> that, that might end up five to three. So, and we're gonna like, are they playing baseball? Did they get to the playoffs? So, Texas State Eastern Michigan. I thought this was an opportunity for the Sun Belt to really step up their game and take another game from a Mac Mac team. Unfortunately, I, I know Texas State had some players out because of COVID. I believe 28 for the game previous against Incarnate Word. Not sure how many back, but I watched a little bit of that game. I, did you get to see any of it? I didn't, but okay. I was looking through the box score, and you know Texas State fell behind early. They rallied in the in the third, made it a touchdown game. And looking at that, you think, okay, you know, yeah, they've got some guys out with COVID, but it looks like you know, they're going to get back in this game, make some second half adjustments, and whatnot. And then Eastern Michigan routed off 31 straight. I, I don't know how they did that, but you look at their drives and not not any of them are really long, sustained drives. So I don't know if it's more of self-inflicted wounds from Texas State or, or what happened, but giving up 31 unanswered to, to any Mac school is not a good look, and especially after a week where you lose to an FCS school. So uh, not a great look. I know they're off this week. And then they've got us next week. So yep. I'm really curious. I think it's going to be just a tale of two teams. It's going to be the, the team that had COVID the past two weeks and the team that should be back at 100% next week. And I think when we go see them, they're going to look completely different. I, I think so, too. And I, I think part of it was they were probably dumbfounded by that gray field 
I tell you, man, that's terrible. That feel reminded me of when I used to play football when we lived in Germany. It looked like the dead grass that had some snow on top of it, and you were just wasn't sure where any of the markers were. That has got to be – and the red field, I think, is ugly too, and both of our teams have red in our colors. But that red field up at uh, West, uh, Eastern uh, Washington Eastern is Washington, another, hor- yeah. is another yeah. horrible field. So. It's terrible. And Central Arkansas has got the alternating gray and purple, yeah. which is bad, too. Well, uh, I completely agree with you. First of all, purple should never be in a team's color. So No, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so <laughs> as, a, as someone who's married to an LSU fan, I agree. Oh, really? I did not I know am. that. I am. I just like to take a dig anytime I can at the school to the east of us. <laughs> so... Uh, I tell my friends, no, I, I said, I said, oh, they, they said, this would look good on you. I'm like, no, nah. I said, I break out in a rash when I put purple on. Uh, I'm allergic to purple. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> uh, Georgia State, Auburn. Uh, man, can you find another way to lose Georgia State? Yeah. And, you know, I just said my wife is an LSU fan. She actually, she's from Auburn. She grew up in Auburn, went to South. Wow. Um, yeah. Her brother was in the marching band at LSU, so that's that's the connection there. Okay. And we were, you know, we we're off this past week, so we're doing some yard work, and I've got the the Auburn Georgia State game playing on the speaker while we're doing some yard work, and we hear Andy Burcham calling touchdowns left and right in that first half, and we look back and oh, that's Georgia State. Oh, that's another Georgia State touchdown. What is happening in Auburn right now? And the second half was extremely disappointing. Uh, I don't know if you watch ted lasso but the whole uh park the bus is taken to a whole new level that georgia state did in that second half they it seemed they were so content with 24 points it seemed like that they just said let's sit on this as long as we can and just hold our breath as long as we can and that clearly did not work now they got a little bit of help from the officials on that that catch on that last drive for auburn that 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 slid through his arms and hit the ground i mean i don't see 100%. 100%. That was home cooking if there ever was one. I'm not saying that yeah. Auburn wouldn't have scored, or, or may, but that made it a heck of a lot easier for him. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. Now, I mean, Georgia State could have done some other things earlier in the game to not be in that situation. Yeah. But uh, just – it was a good showing for three and a half quarters, and unfortunately they, they, uh, they couldn't finish the job. I know – being in Alabama, there was a, a lot of uproar. Even Sunday morning, some people at a, you know, we're out at lunch after church, and some folks are talking about Georgia State and Auburn. They said, Georgia State's in the same conference as South Alabama, and they almost beat Auburn. What's going on? <laughs> folks were talking about it. And you're just sitting there going, like, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm sitting there in my Jags polo. I'm like, yeah, buddy, fun belt. Watch out. <laughs> no, it reminded me of our game against uh, Texas A&M a few years back. We're over there. We've got the lead going in at halftime and in uh they asked the coach coach hud what he's what is he going to do and he says well we're going to keep they didn't change any, they didn't make any adjustments because we had the lead there and we had a quarterback that hurt his hurt his leg right before the half that should have never went back into the second half and then no adjustments whatsoever we ended up losing the game so uh last you know, game, speaking of hud oh, go ahead HUD is over in my neck of the woods now, you know, over at Gulf Shores High School. My brother-in-law is the band director at Gulf Shores High School, and so he works actually quite a bit with HUD now. How, how are they doing? How is he 
I mean, how is the team doing? Obviously, uh, uh, high school, you're not recruiting like you do in college, so you can't exactly just right. bring in a new talent, new talent or some teams from uh, or some guys from JUCO. So how are they doing there? They're doing pretty good. Uh, Gulf Shores, for folks that don't know, Gulf Shores High School is pretty terrible in every sport. And okay. so when they brought in HUD, it was a huge deal. And they had just moved, to give you a little bit of background, they had just moved from a, a county school system. They made their own city school system, so their rules are a little different. They they can bring in transfers from outside of the state and be immediately eligible. So they've got a, a running back from actually from the state of Louisiana that came in, and he has absolutely dominated. Uh, HUD's got himself a great staff. He's actually got our old offensive coordinator, Kenny Edenfield. Right. He's over there as his OC. Vic Cohen from Troy, he's over there as the yep. D.C., um they're doing good they're competitive they should make the playoffs for the first time in quite a while because like i said gold source football is historically terrible absolutely awful but they've completely turned it around very quickly as you would expect you expect them to come in there and make some big changes but they've done a really good job over there i got to catch one of their games uh two weeks ago they look pretty good well good uh i'm you know it, it's I'm not going to say it's love or hate right now with HUD over here, but there's a lot of hating on him. And I, I just don't agree with that because I think without coach HUD, we don't get a Billy Napier. Those nine, yeah. four woods win seasons in a row showed people that we could win here in Lafayette. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Always respected him to a certain extent. There were a couple of things I don't agree with, but that's here nor there right now. Uh, let's move on to next week's games, uh, or this week's game. Shoot. Um, App State, Georgia State. App State, mo emotional win against a former rival, but they've got 10 days to prepare. They're going to Atlanta. Pretty easy to get to. Georgia State comes off of a devastating loss that they had to lead to, to Auburn. Can who, who does what there? I mean, I think if it would have been a Saturday to Saturday for App State, I think it could have been a little letdown, but now they've got 10 days. Yeah. So your thoughts, sorry. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I agree. I think there's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a pretty large hangover for Georgia State coming off that Auburn game. And App State seems like they've they figured out – they've had some kinks here or there. They've, they've had chances, you know, like the Miami game, they had some chances but just couldn't, couldn't punch it. I, I think they figured out who they are and what works. And so I, I think they'll handle their business over, over Atlanta. At, to me, it's still – Turner Field. I don't. I don't care if it's yeah, whatever Park Center or Stadium, or whatever it is now. It's it's always going to be Turner Field to me because that's where I grew up going to Braves games. But oh, I'm so I sorry. think that no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm a Reds fan. Uh, okay, I got you. Yeah, I uh, I think I think App State will handle their business, and I think uh, I I'm curious what's going to happen with Georgia State with their quarterback. I know Granger's been there go-to guide last two games, but Cornelius Brown had his good moments last year and yeah. he's not quite as limited as Granger is, uh, especially in the passing game. Granger, Granger can run the ball a lot better than Brown, but in the passing game, he's pretty limited. So I'm curious what's going to happen there. Let's go back to last week's game with Georgia state real quick uh, on the Auburn side, not really a Sunbelt thing, yeah. but do you, are you hearing controversy there with Auburn and their quarterback? Yeah, we actually, I was just talking with a coworker about this. Um, with Finley and Nix, you know, Nix is the the golden boy with his dad being the former quarterback there. And, you know, the keys were kind of handed to him immediately when he got on campus. And now you make a change and Finley leads them to a game-winning drive. 
Yeah, there's 100% uh, a QB controversy over there, and they've got at the Tigers this week of LSU, and we were just talking to who do you start? Do you start Finley, who arguably has earned the right to start the game, but it's against a big-time opponent like LSU? Do you throw him, to, throw him in the fire like that, or do you stick with your veteran guy, Nix, who is used to games like that, and if he gets in trouble, pull him? I, I don't know. There's some give and take on both of them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think kind of – I understand the, the, the whole uh, earn the right to start, but at the same time, like you said, the veteran guy, I put him in to start and I give him a very short lease. And But yeah. I got to look what's going on around him too. If he's being chased around by defensive ends or defensive tackles all day, that's not his fault, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, good deal. Uh, Ulim at Coastal. <laughs> You know, I, at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't give you, I didn't think ULM would win a conference game, but give, give yeah. them credit. And I, I'm not saying they're going to win this game either, but um, is, is Coastal as good as their record? Is their ranking or is it, or they've had a very easy schedule up to this point? And yeah, they have. And, you know, they handled business with Kansas, even though they got off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, they did not play great against Buffalo. Um, and I, no Buffalo's one of the top three teams in the Mac, but still the ranking that you've got and the way you played last year, you're supposed to handle a Mac team pretty solidly. And they, they didn't just getting a three point win on the road. So um, I think they'll handle their business against ULM, but I think it'll be closer than probably what we anticipated at the beginning of the year, just because I, I really do think that ULM is better. I think Terry Bowden has done a, a good job of, getting things going in the right direction for ULM and Rich Rodriguez has done a good job as well, bringing some more professional schemes in there. And, you know, just those coaches have been around winning and that's something that ULM obviously has not seen in a long time. And just knowing what it takes to win, knowing what it takes to build a winning culture, I think will do them some good. I don't think they're going to end up being world beaters in the West, but I think they'll at least be more competitive than what we've seen the last couple of years when, when Viator was head coach. But I was so happy, most of all, for Nick White, uh, voice of the Warhawks yeah. there. Oh, he, yeah. He went through a season last year where they never led. And uh, <laughs> that's got to be crushing. I mean, to lose every game is one thing, but to have never led in a game is is something else. But I, I agree with you. I think uh, between Bowden and Rodriguez, they, they've got a strong coaching staff there that knows how to win and I believe knows how to convince the guys to win. And they've got some pretty good transfers that came in there as well. So, yeah, uh, got to stay healthy, though, and it doesn't help that your quarterback's down right now. So, yeah. And that's uh, that's going to be huge. If I I don't know his status for this, this weekend. If it's as bad as it has sounded, you know, I would be surprised if he plays. And I can't remember the guy's name behind him, but he played all of last year. And so he's got experience. Right. But – is he the same athletes and competitor that Rhett Rodriguez is? No. And so I'm, I'm curious how much that'll affect their offense. Yeah. Uh, Chandler Rogers, he got it. He got in uh, the game a little bit uh, last week Had one, one, pa one, uh, one for three uh, with a 37 yard uh, pass. So uh, I would be shocked if he plays. Uh, yeah. Uh, because he just got out of the hospital yesterday and man, the young man's health has got to be everyone's first concern. So yeah. I would hope for his sake, he, he, 
between him and everybody else, they don't do something stupid and they, they, they give him some time. Yeah. Hopefully so. so. Yeah. Um, Arkansas state, Georgia Southern. I think that's one of those games that either vaults one of those two teams or just totally crushes one of those two teams. Georgia Southern fired their coach. Uh, a buddy of mine, Kevin Foote here, always says, if you want to win a game, you want to win a series, fire your coach. You can always hire him back two weeks later, but fire your coach. You're going to go <laughs> on a winning streak, you know? So uh, what? Uh, Arkansas State, Butch, Butch Jones, Butch, Butch Jones, right? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, that's I, one thing that we didn't talk about, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, I cannot get a read on Arkansas State, you know, with Butch Jones being there, you would think that he would, I know things are going to be different than when Blake Anderson was there, but you would think that he would continue the, the winning they've had the last couple of years, but they've been really, really inconsistent. And I just, I cannot get a read on what Arkansas state is going to be this year. And then, like you said, with Georgia Southern letting go of Lunsford, I, I have no idea where that's going to go now because you've got a head coach that, or an interim head coach now that doesn't have head coaching experience at the college level. He's been very successful at the high school level, but I don't know, man, you know, the last time Georgia Southern put an interim coach in the guy got his first win against us. It was 52, nothing. And that was Lunsford in 17. That was the nail in the coffin of the Joey Jones era. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that program. Well, I can tell you the last time they, uh, fired when Lunsford got the job he after he beat the Cajuns he received the the head permanent head coaching job there so we're very familiar and it's and I know it wasn't our game per se that that got him fired it's the things that happened pre-game that 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 have been going on with the team so yeah yeah. Arkansas State actually I hadn't seen that video initially I yeah I saw that Lunsford was let go and so I texted Colin I said are you as surprised that I was that he was let go? He said, Oh no, no, don't worry. There's more to it. And sent me a link to the video. And I said, oh, okay. Yeah. That's not a good look. Well, I, I texted with a couple of our friends over at, at, over at Georgia Southern before the game said, Hey, good luck. Hope it's a good game. And some of them responded where it was, uh, you guys are going to crush us and this will be the end of Chad Lunksford. But then like you, I'm like, okay, that game was pretty close. It wasn't a blowout. And then I saw the video and then didn't realize the video was one of the football players. All I heard was an aspiring country music singer. And I thought he had jumped on the bus and done. I didn't know he was their nose tackle or their backup nose tackle. Then it turns out that he's the one who jumped on fourth and goal when we kicked a field goal and gave us a first down. Not it wasn't Uh. fourth and goal. I'm sorry. It was fourth and uh, three or something like that on like the seven yard line. So he jumped after uh, on it and gave us a, a, a first down, which we scored a touchdown. So huh, I did not know that that's wow. That's, that's a big deal. So uh, back to Arkansas state though, you know, I, I, I watched the end of that game against Tulsa, which I forgot to talk about Tulsa pulled away early. Arkansas state came back again. Tulsa's driving. Uh, it's it's uh, they get a first and goal. The clock's at like 45 seconds. Not a big deal, but Arkansas State has all three timeouts. They call their timeouts. They call their first two times out timeouts, and the clock start stops at like 39 seconds. 
They still have yeah. one timeout to call on third down. Someone on the defense called a, a timeout for them again. So, and Butch Jones went ballistic because they, they, they lost their final timeout, which would, they would have got the ball back. Now, it, it's still a seven-point game. Does Tulsa kick the field goal? But they would have gotten the ball back and, yeah. uh, and had an opportunity to score. And I and I understand. I I felt sorry for whoever the kid was on on the field that called the timeout. So, but geez, that's that's a tough way to do it. In, in Arkansas State, I think the thing with them has always been, in my opinion, in in years past, they've always had that dynamic offense that can score and put numbers up quick if need be. But they've always had what it seems like great defensive backs. These guys that have been moved from wide receiver because they can't catch the ball, but can knock them down or do what they need to do. And they've always had a good, strong rush. So I think Arkansas State, to me, just doesn't have the defense this year that they've had in the past. I think the offense is there by showing what they did against Memphis and, uh, and Tulsa. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you look at what they, they gave up defensively. They gave up over 300 yards of rushing against Tulsa and then over 350 yards of passing against Tulsa. And again, Tulsa's good but not 600 yards of offense good. That's, that's insane. And I never looked at Tulsa's schedule. I knew they were, oh, I believe they were 0-3 coming into the game. So, but, um, gosh, I hate this sometimes when I'm trying to look at something and it brings me all, <laughs> all these 14 different pages. And I'm going like, I just want your football schedule. Ah, stop it. Yeah, they were, they were, they were 0-3 going into that game they had lost to remember they had the opening day loss to uc davis yeah and they lost at oklahoma state and you know they played ohio state and you know, you're supposed to lose that one but they they got one of the the games they're supposed to win yep. against arkansas state i guess with the you know, quote-unquote peer school so well and, and i know everybody's going to look back on it and the game wasn't close really but at the same time when you look back which most people do at the end of the season I think the Sun Belt has held their own in all of these non-conference games against our peer conferences. Yeah, yeah so. I, I completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll take our next break now. And we'll come back and talk uh, Jags and Cajuns. You've been listening. We're talking with Craig Malonso and J.D. Crabtree, voice of the ja Southern Jaguars, Southern Alabama, South Alabama Jaguars, not Southern. Southern is another team that's in Baton Rouge. Sorry, that are the Jaguars. <laughs> Welcome back to We're Talking, Craig Melanson. I'm your host today with JT Crabtree, voice of the South Alabama Jaguars. I got it right that time instead of the Southern <laughs> Jaguars. So the game, while you're on, uh, Cajuns and Jaguars, last game of the night for the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, I, I won't say the first time the game is really meaningful because I don't, I, th I think we played some pretty good games over the year. And as we talked about a little bit earlier, they're, they're, the Cajuns, it, it had been a home and home. Uh, whoever the home team was, it won. But South Alabama, 3-0. and uh, The Cajuns are 3-1. and uh, Start a conference play for y'all. Um, well, talk to me. I know you guys got let's, – let's, let's go over the <laughs> offense first, I guess. Okay. Uh, you got a quarterback transfer in. He seems very accurate, very, uh, it, it, well, go ahead. I'll let yeah. you do the talking. 
<laughs> the offense really starts with Jake Bentley. Um, you know, started his career at South Carolina, left high school early from actually from the state of Alabama, from Opelika High School, left high school early, went to Columbia, started, was a team captain for four years, had the, uh, the extra year because of COVID and grad school. So he goes to Utah last year, does okay there. They only played five games, does okay there, goes back in the portal, wants to move closer back home. And we had the opportunity with the new coaching staff and everything changing. So he came here. Um, he's what we've needed at quarterback for a long time. Our program has really struggled to have consistency at the quarterback position, or really just having the same guy starting every game. Because last year we flip-flopped with Desmond Trotter and Chance Lovertich. The year before was Cephas Johnson and Desmond Trotter. And you can, you can go on and on and on before that. Evan North, Cole Garvin, Dallas Davis, Ross Matheny, Brandon Bridge, uh, Hunter Vaughn, C.J. Bennett, uh, Miles Gibbon. We, it's been a revolving door at quarterback since we started playing football in 09. Uh, this is honestly the first time I think we've ever had a bona fide starting QB1. It was named starter out of spring practice, which has never happened here. We've never had a starting quarterback immediately out of out of the spring we've had a good idea but we've never had a bona fide qb1 so he's given us that stability we've lacked at obviously a key position for a long time well you know I, now I, around a, yeah i was just i didn't realize he had spent four years at, at south carolina because to me if you just look at the thing in south carolina transfer to utah then comes to south alabama you're thinking okay is this is this an issue here but if he spent four years there and then the grad transfer only playing five at Utah and then his last season wanted to play at closer to home. And I'm sure our family had a lot. To, I think that's awesome. I, I really yeah. do. He's, he's a great kid too. You know, it's, it's very obvious, you know, coming from the sec, coming from power five teams, he knows how to operate. He knows how to handle his business. He knows how to, he knows how to do a heck of an interview. He's a fantastic interview. He knows how to answer all the questions the right way. Um, just a, just a great guy. You know, it's it's nice having a guy like him that's been around winning, been around some big programs, been in big games. Dude threw over 500 yards against Clemson when he won the national championship a couple of years ago. He's he's been in big time games and had some big time performances. So it's been nice to have him. He and Jalen Tolbert, our wide receiver, have known each other for years, working together with Quarterback Country and the Manning Passing Academy. And so that weighed in as well, having an opportunity to come here play closer to home, but also play with a friend with Jalen Tolbert. The guys are, they're inseparable. They watch film away from practice. They hang out together. They play video games together all the time. I mean, they're, they're buddy, buddy. That's, it's what you want from your quarterback and your wide receiver. Um, outside of that, you've got a lot of different weapons. Uh, running back with Kareem Walker, running back position in general was a big question mark because Carlos Davis was supposed to be the guy kind of fell off a little bit at the end of last year and then was suspended indefinitely coming into this year gotten some off field off the field trouble so then kareem walker's brought in and he's a dude that super highly toted out of high school but has never really had an opportunity to prove himself he's a four-star guy at a high school was committed to ohio state then on signing day did the unthinkable and he flipped to michigan on signing day oh my goodness and plays a plays a little bit up there with the wolverines then goes the juco route does okay in juco goes to mississippi state is there for one year with Jim Moorhead as head coach. Then Mike Leach is brought in. They don't run the ball. So he really had no role at all on the team last year. So he comes to us just wanting an opportunity to play football. Before this season, he hadn't had a 
carry in a game since JUCO in 2018. So he just wanted a chance. So he's taken over as, you know, running back number one. Terion Avery's been here for the last couple of years. Good role player, has done a good job. Brian Hill's a mobile guy behind him that he's actually the son of our running backs coach. He transferred in from Tuskegee. He's gotten better. Um, the running game is going to be key for us because everyone knows we can pass the ball. We're starting to find some consistency on the running side, which is good. The offensive line has completely been retooled from last year where honestly last year it was bad it was very bad and they brought in all these juco or not juco but uh d1 transfers from you know, a guy from mississippi state who was starting at the offensive line james jackson he's now at center uh, antoine lewis is from la tech and terrius gray is from north texas jakai baker's from semo so they, they brought in everybody that they could at a whole bunch of different positions, trying to find some consistency up there. It's been better. It's not great, but it's been better, and it's getting better. So that's uh, that's kind of the offense in the microcosm right now. Yeah, your running backs, although they haven't had great uh, production yet, uh, it looks like they've, they've got the opportunity and they've got the talent to do that with more than one running back, uh, which I think in this day and age to me is something you need. And the Cajuns have proven that over the last couple of years with several guys in oh, the yeah. NFL now. Uh, and we've got three pretty good ones right now ourselves. So um, it's, but I'm looking at the, uh, the Bowling Green. Well, I looked at the Southern Miss, which we found out later on Southern Miss is not very good, but still it's, it's a nice <laughs> win for you guys. Anytime we can beat yeah. a conference USA, USA team. So, but um, the Bowling Green game, I'm looking, they only had the game. The score itself is fairly close or close seven points, yeah. I believe, but you guys had 21st. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it was, it was a close one. It, it really was. And it was, you know, going into that game, Bowling Green hadn't played well in two years and you're going into it as a 15 point favorite on the road. And you're thinking, okay, we've got a chance to handle our business. We've been terrible on the road last couple of years. Let's go do it. It ends up being a, a three point game. We need a field goal as, time expires right. to win it and so it was uh it was a wild one it, it's, it was a game that seemingly everything that could go wrong did go wrong for the jags but something we haven't done the last couple of years is get an ugly win if we played ugly we lose ugly we played ugly against bowling green but we found a way to win which is uh, i think a testament to what the new coaching staff has been able to do so let's roll into the defense on that note because yeah. at, uh, uh, bowling green had zero rushing first downs they only had 10 in the game is your defensive line that good? Is that the strength of your uh, of your team right now? Yeah, absolutely. The defensive front is 100% the best part of this team. Uh, you know, Kane Womack was here before as the defensive coordinator, and when he came in with that swarm defense, the 4-2-5 that they run, they immediately had a huge turnaround. It was a 10-point difference in points per game allowed in his first season. Uh, right now, we are third in the country in rush defense. We're first in the country in third down defense and first in the country in red zone defense as well. We've only allowed four scores in the red zone and only three touchdowns. So the situational stuff has been a lot better. I mean, teams are only converting on third down at a 19% clip right now. Um, we've allowed eight third down conversions to opponents all season long. And I think that defense, Defensive line is a huge, huge reason why. And what's crazy to think about it too, Craig, is that defensive line 
is not a position where we brought in a bunch of transfers. It's almost all the same guys we've had over the last couple of years. And so with y'all's really good offensive line going against our really good defensive line, I think that's where the, uh, the key of the game is going gonna, is gonna to really lay out. Well, you know, you mentioned the third down was something I wanted to bring up. Uh, you guys are one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country statistically right now, where the Cajuns are like 122nd on offensive uh, third down conversions, which is not very good. Quite honestly, our offensive line has been uh, struck by some in- injuries. We've had to move some yep. guys around. Uh, I think we're moving less people around this weekend, but we're going we're gonna to be losing one of our starters, un- unfortunately, for, for a couple of weeks. But the, the, it, it tells me, with like I said, no first downs, and with, with they average uh, less than a yard a carry. So it's not like they're, they're not getting to your linebackers, which is a good thing. And for us, it seems like sometimes they're getting past our, uh, or some teams it looks like they get past the linebackers. And when you can always tell a team that has a, uh, their leading tackle is a defensive back is not usually a good, a good thing, especially if you have 30 to 40 rushing attempts on, on the play. Your defensive backs are great if it's pass protection, but not on the uh, rushing there. So. Yeah, in the last couple of years, our defensive backs have been leading the team in tackles with especially Keith Gallman, our safety has been primarily the guy. And now our defensive tackle, Waikivis Thomas, is second on the team in tackles. So I think that's a good indicator of what this defense has been doing. I'm not seeing uh, on, I guess that's. Uh not seeing a whole, this, I'm just looking at the Bowling Green game still. Uh, not yeah. a whole lot of return yards there. Um, no. <laughs> is, is that because yeah. you're not bringing them out or is that just. That if there's a, if there's a point we need to clean up, it's the, it's the punt, the punt return stuff. Uh, the returns have not been good um, against all corn state last time outs. We actually, we had four turnovers and two of them were on punt returns. Uh, one was a muffed punt that was recovered in the end zone by Alcorn State. The other one was a fair catch on the sideline that our guy just, just needed to get out of the way and for some reason tried to dive on it. He knocked it back into play, was a live ball, Alcorn jumped on it, and he'd actually done the same exact thing the week before against Bowling Green. Now, fortunately, when he did it in that game, the ball went out of bounds. But it was the same thing, calling for a fair catch, tried to jump on it for some reason, when it was near the sideline, nearly caused a big play. So, yeah, they're trying some different stuff this week in practice. I know they've got to clean it up, but we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. So, it, um, on the second uh, punt return where he uh, tried to dive on it, was that did Alcorn score right after that as well? Yeah, both of the both of the recoveries ended up in scores. Okay, so that was really because looking statistically again, and uh, at this, I'm, I'm um, you know, Alcorn State shouldn't have been in the game, but if they get if you give them two easy ones like that, that makes a lot more sense. So yeah, it it was a lot of self inflicted wounds against Alcorn, and you know we also had a, a 90 minute delay at the beginning of the game because the stadium lights wouldn't turn back on after kickoff, and so that. I'm sure that messed up the rhythm of the team as well. So, yeah, it was a really, really strange game against Alcorn last time out. 
Well, I see it's kind of hard to judge by that, but that makes a lot more sense when you're look again, when you're looking at the uh, the box scores 28-21, you're like, how how did they stay in it? Uh, but that explains yeah. a lot. So uh let's see. Fumble, fumble. Oh yeah. Wow. So um see if I So, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm trying to look at my notes here. Like I said, I knew I'd get off track here at some point, and it just happened. <laughs> You're good. Uh, anything uh, at the tight end for you guys? I'm trying to. Yeah, Lincoln Sefcik is the main guy, and the last couple of years under Steve Campbell, uh, tight ends were referred to as super backs, which was basically just an extra it was basically a sixth offensive lineman for us they were hardly ever used in the passing game um and with apple white and now he i mean you'll see almost every single play two tight ends on the field so that's that's a huge change from the years past um and they're actually they're utilized in the passing game as well and trent tire got the uh i think the first touchdown of the season he was a tight end that's been his only catch this year but sefsik is the main guy at uh at tight end for us this year yeah, I, I think it's important. I think, and, and when you're, when especially when you're struggling to run the ball, sometimes at the tight end get involved because it's usually a shorter play outside of the get back, and it's going to force the linebackers to do something where they're looking for the tight end now as opposed to trying to stuff the run. So I think whatever team you're on, I I, I love the tight end, and I don't think he gets utilized in football enough anymore. But I I completely agree. So five grand. Grad transfer started on the offensive line. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, oh, we've no. had a lot of different dudes. It's uh, it's been three on uh, the offensive line. I'm sorry. Five, uh, yeah, we've we've had three or three or four total transfers um, playing on the offensive line, and then two holdovers are Hayden Merchant and Trey Simpson, both local guys. Simpson's from Mobile, Merchant's from across the bay over in Fairhope. Um, but it's been. Like I was talking before, it's been a complete overhaul of the offensive line because the last couple of years, it's honestly, it's been pretty bad. Well, it looks like it's going to be a battle down there. Hopefully, uh, what do you feel about the seven o'clock kickoff? To me, I kind of like it because I can sit and watch all the other games and kind of let let me know what's going on. And it probably it, it, it probably gives you guys on the radio something a little to talk about if, if you're in a dead area because like you said you you take that commercial break when you when you tell them you're going to take your commercial break but sometimes you're already done with all your commercial breaks so you're able to to, to, to get some filler time in there uh yeah yeah we um i, I like the seven o'clock um it's should be the weather right now looks amazing for saturday should be in the low to mid seventies um, humidity has been down the last couple of days here in mobile, which has been great. Um, so should be some great weather. We're expecting a massive crowd for the game. We're doing a, doing a whiteout. We're doing 10,000 white t-shirts being given away. Um, $3 off all tickets. Cause we've started a three and Oh, we're doing, we're doing a lot. We it, it's honestly, it's one of our biggest home games in program history. It's probably the biggest one we've had 
uh, probably our biggest home game in like seven years when we played Texas State in 14 when the winner of that game basically locked a bowl berth. Uh, um, it's, it's, it's a huge one. It's our first real test, and we're going to see what we've got, uh, how legit that 3-0 start is. But really, you know, the team goal is win a Sunbelt championship, go to a bowl game, win a bowl game. And if we want to get to that Sunbelt championship game, the West runs through you guys. And so if we're going to advance as a program, we've got to go through you for, through y'all. So I think we'll really see what we've got as a program and how quickly they've turned things around with the new coaching staff on Saturday. Well, Sunbelt West, just tell you, and uh, here's a little tidbit for you. Since Billy Napier has been here, the Cajuns have not lost a Sunbelt West conference game. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. Right now. It's going to happen. Hopefully, don't get me wrong. <laughs> hopefully it'll be this weekend. I, I don't know, but you know, like I said, we're playing better. Um, I, I don't know how it's going to play out on Saturday. I'm hoping for a really good game. And like I said, it's going to be a great crowd. We had just over 20,000 for the first game against Southern Miss. And it was our first time that we're at hundred percent capacity in the new stadium. So I'm, I'm expecting hopefully more than that. Um, the tailgating atmosphere should be good. You guys traveling over here, I know will bring a lot, a lot of fans over as well. So it should make it for a, a really fun afternoon. I am uh, unfortunately not making the trip this week. So, uh, but uh, how has the city of Mobile, have, have they embraced the Jags more so than uh, maybe in past years? Um, yes, uh, 100%. Yeah, it's been, you know, in the past, we've, we've had football, obviously, for the last couple of years, but playing down at LAD, um, it was really hard to get down there if you weren't a season ticket holder. We didn't do single-game parking passes or anything like that. So it was really hard to get down there and catch a game. Um, and, it's, you know, being 20 minutes away from campus, too, was hard for the students to get down there. So every the first two home games we've had now with 100% capacity, the student section has been completely full. Um, the the city has been much more engaged with the Jags, you know, before you'd see you know, someone in a grocery store wear a, a Jags hat or a t-shirt here or there. Um, but you're seeing it everywhere. You're seeing yard signs, you're seeing flags around town. Um, it's, you know, I've been around the program since it started in 09 and this is without a doubt, probably the most engaged the city has been for Jags football and the team is has done a, a big part of that with you know the one of the team mottos is hashtag our city you know they're trying to make sure that you know the hometown team is the hometown team um wearing battleship blue uniforms last time out against Alcorn State with a you know shadowing of the USS Alabama battleship on the on the helmets uh the practice jerseys have the battleship on it as well They've just they've done a really good job of incorporating the city into what the team does. And I think that's really, really been paying off. And as a, a mobile native and a South grad, what the team has been doing really resonates with my soul as a as a native of the 251. So I am um, I I'm really excited about what the staff has been able to do in a short amount of time. And I, again, I think Saturday is going to be a real measuring stick of what we actually have here. Well, you know, it's one of those things that when I moved back from Indianapolis, I hadn't been to Lafayette probably in about six or seven years because of my dad passing away and my mom having cancer. 
So I didn't feel it was right to, to fly into New Orleans and say, hey, mom, can I have, can I borrow your car to go to Lafayette? So I spent time with her and I don't regret any, any minute of that. But moving back here was uh, HUD's first year and to see the, the, the signs and the flags. And it makes you, you, like you said, it makes your soul, soul feel good that your hometown is embracing uh, your football team or your athletic department in, as a whole, I think is absolutely awesome. And it couldn't happen to a nicer program, in my opinion, with you guys in the city of Mobile. Great place. It reminds me a lot of Lafayette. So, um, yeah. And, and I, I'm I'm really excited about what Coach Womack has done and how engaged he is. Like he he got hired last December and first day of spring semester this past January. He said, "Hey, get me out on a golf cart. Let me drive around campus and hand out breakfast food to students on the first day of class." You know, just little stuff like that he wants to get out and do you know we're doing a wide out on saturday it was his idea to do the wide out it was his idea to bring back blue uniforms which we hadn't had in three years so he's a he's engaged he wants to build new things here in mobile at hancock whitney stadium and at south alabama he's said multiple times that this is his dream job he doesn't want to be anywhere else he wanted he's dreamed of years of being the head coach at South Alabama. So it's it's really fun having a coach that is so active and engaged in the community as Kane is. That's awesome. I And I'm not, you know, it's kind of a different situation with Terry Bowden up there at ULM, but uh, I think he's been embraced and he has embraced the city, which I think is awesome. And he, he, he kind of said at Sunbelt Conference Media Days, this is his last stop, you know, his last coaching gig. But at the same time, yeah. it's it's not like he's riding into the sunset. He wants to build a program here or there yeah. at ULM, which I think is awesome. I'm not sure I would have said this is my lap, but at the same time, at his age, let's be a re realistic, he's not going to yeah. get an SEC job probably or a Big Ten job or anything like that. So um, right. it, it's a good deal. Well, JT, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Uh, these are always fun talking with you guys uh, and getting to know you a little better at baseball this year was, was awesome. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll chat more. I know I, I haven't looked at the basketball schedule. I know y'all are coming here and we're going there. So hopefully I will, uh, hopefully I will make the trip for basketball. We uh, I'm actually looking at it right now. We, uh, we go to you guys on the 20 what is that the 20th of january and y'all actually don't make the return trip oh that's right that's it that's one of the uh well i guess i will not be coming for basketball then no um and we come to you guys for baseball like we were talking earlier so i'll i'll make the trips over i'll make it easy for you how about that that is awesome i appreciate it and uh <laughs> we'll get together uh e even for the basketball trip depending on what your schedule looks like even if it's just dinner one night on on your gut when yeah. you guys come in so i don't know if absolutely you don't know if you travel on the team bus or drive over separate but uh if we can get together for dinner some will grab jay and we'll go sit and we'll we'll live the good life yeah so, i'm looking forward to it man should be should be a blast good deal well, JT, thank you. You've been listening to We're Talking with JD, JT Crabtree. Damn, I did JD at the last one. <laughs> JT Crabtree, voice of the uh, South Alabama Jaguars.